Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. You know, busy has become a badge of honor, but there are several times a year when busy turns into overwhelm, and the holidays can be that way for many of us. But there's also tax time, back to school if you're a parent, beginning of summer, you name it. And busy can also be a great diversion. It allows us to put life on autopilot and go through the motions without ever really processing if we're going where we really want to go. But when it becomes overwhelm, it can bring us crashing down to earth with the realization that something finally gave. And too often, that thing, that something that really matters is our marriage and family. And it doesn't have to be that way. You have the ability to steer your life in a different direction. One that is in conscious alignment with what matters to you. And Christian, sorry, Kristen Manieri, writer, podcast host, and creator of DateNightGuide.com reveals how you can do this starting today. So, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on at this crazy time of year, because I know it's like, do we have this before Christmas? Do we wait? When do we have this conversation? Um, Because this can be a really crazy time, and busy is just what we all seem to, it just seems to be what we do these days. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I couldn't agree with you more, and I I love your intro about how Busy is one thing, but overwhelm is a, is a total other thing. And this is definitely a time of year where I think a lot of people start to feel a little frantic. And the, the trouble is, the irony is really that the holidays are all about connection and love. And, you know, you're, you see these Norman Rockwell paintings of everyone like just happy and hanging around drinking coffee. And, and, that's what we're all shooting for, right? Is this, this very love-filled, connective day or week. And we can be our own worst enemy in the creation of that. And so I was really inspired to write about how to get through the holidays from a different perspective, not about how to do more or how to do things differently, but really an, an internal shift. So I'm, I'm really grateful it resonated with you. Well, and it's interesting because I've actually written a couple of pieces myself, about, you know, something along the lines, variations of how to survive the holidays with your marriage and sanity intact. Um, because, I mean, it does. And, and I, I start getting, I like to take my holidays one at a time. I'm really particular about that. So I really get kind of bent out of shape in October when we still have the Halloween decorations and then Christmas is like kind of scooting on in there. It's like, I'm going, what about Thanksgiving? You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it, and it's, it's like you, know, we start this, you know, we hop on this hamster wheel and we just, and we just keep going and going and going and going and going until, you know, the inevitable crash. And I think that some of the holiday focus some of this you know you talk about norman rock rockwell you talk about some you know hallmark movies and you know all the christmas specials and everything's happy 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 and if we're not feeling that then we don't necessarily we keep thinking that if we do more 
we'll get there. And yeah. you actually wrote an article, which I loved, which is how to stay connected as a couple through the holidays that really talks a little bit about doing less. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so you mentioned a magic word in this article. That's the key to getting a handle on overwhelm that kind of seems to be highlighted at this time of year. So what's that word and what makes it magic? Yeah. Well, it's, it's no. <laughs> and I think, um, not that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really, I'm definitely not the first person to say that, that many of us can get better at saying no to things. And, but I think the, the, the flip is we, we really need to start looking at that. If I'm an, if I'm a yes to this thing, this potluck, um, this, you know, teacher's function, I just signed up for this, you know, dramatic light display, these, this tree that's just spilling over with presents. If I'm a yes to that, then it usually means I'm a no to my self care. So it, it's, it's really a reframe of, I'm not just saying no to the potluck. I'm saying yes to me. I'm saying yes to being really nice around the house during the holidays because I'm, I'm not so overcommitted. I'm, I'm yes to my, my self-care in terms of how I eat and how much I sleep. And it, it's to me, it's like, if, if I'm not, if I'm not a yes to me, then I know I'm not going to show up through the holidays or any time in the way that I really value showing up, which is with ease and with grace and with warmth those go out the window when I'm a yes to everyone else well and I think that that's a critically important thing and I I've noticed and this happens a lot in my in my work where I get women and it tends to be women more than men although I don't know if it happens with men and they just don't talk about it as much or whether it really is that women take on these roles and this idea that if I take time for myself, if I say no to somebody or something, then I'm being selfish. Mm. And, you know, you're talking about, oh, but my kids really want to go see the Christmas display and my mom wants me to do this and I need to go help out at the school. And I mean, I'm just sitting, I'm sitting right here you know, in a chair and I'm already exhausted just like by listening to this. So, and I'm not even moving. Um, How do we get to the point? And I really like the distinction between saying no to one thing means you're actually saying yes to something else. Mm -hmm. And what does, what does that actually mean? And how do we not feel guilty about saying yes to ourselves when we have those, you know, little sad droopy eyes going, Oh mom, please. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's tricky because in our culture, we, we can easily qualify nourishment in terms of how much sleep I get and what kind of food I'm eating. And, and we haven't, we haven't moved in the direction at least totally of realizing that self-care is just as important, just as important as the food that I'm putting in my mouth, just as important as, you know, that I'm moving every day or that I'm getting a good night's sleep. And, and because of that, it does feel like an indulgence, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm sneaking away and, and getting one up on everyone because I actually took a nap or I went and got a massage or went for a walk around the block. 
Like doesn't self-care doesn't have to cost a thing. In fact, some of the best forms of self-care really are something as simple as taking a walk around the block. But I think until you've experienced the value of self-care and then you can justify it by how it affects how you show up in the world, it does feel like an indulgence. So it's, it's like practice makes perfect. Self-care, I think, is a skill that we all have to learn to hone in on and get comfortable with so that we see the value that it gives to our kids. Like those, those droopy eyes that really want us to go to the light display or give them an, you know, their third cup of hot cocoa, whatever. They also want us to feel steady and sturdy and warm. And when we're not those things for our kids, they know, they know, and they do not like that. I'll tell you, my, my children are in, are major fans of my self-care because mm-hmm. they know that when I don't have it, I don't show up in a way that, that they enjoy, that, that they are happy with. They don't like it when I'm frustrated and edgy and moving really fast. So I think it just takes practice and you have to eventually enroll your family into the, or whoever you're sharing your life with the positive effects of your self care. So it, you feel like you can justify Cause I think in this culture, we always have to justify it. So that to me is the way to do it. Well, I'm I'm all I'm all for throwing justification out the window, but that's a topic for another day. Yes. But, um, but you know, it's it's really interesting because that's a critically important thing. There was I wish I could remember the woman's name, but several years ago there was a book that came out called 168 Hours. And that's how many hours we get a week. And oh, by the way, at the holidays, we don't get any extra time. We still have 168 hours. And the she had a line in the book which struck me, and, and I use it all the time, is that we tell people what our priorities are by how we spend our time. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned your kids liking the calm present mom as opposed to the frustrated flustered you know kind of short at least in my case short tempered I'm not going to speak yeah. to you but I can oh, be no. that's, that's me <laughs> you know and and so we're, we're trying to create this these magical holidays these special times and it's kind of like yeah but we're kind of ruining it if we bite somebody's head off yes yeah <laughs> yeah it's like what's the point then I say in the article it's I want to create this, you know, best Christmas ever. But if I get there by force and fury, then I missed the point of what I was trying to create. Well, and, and I think an important question, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more, I think, but the important question is, is making it really great for whom and what does that actually mean? Because if we're trying to be everything to everybody, then somebody's going to fall through the cracks. And that was really my point about, and it's also the point of your article, is about, you know, marriage and family. These are the people who, and and I'm talking more about nuclear family children. I'm not necessarily talking about siblings and aunts and uncles, and although those people are important too. Um. It's almost as if the people who are closest to us are the ones who get the leftovers. And sometimes yes. those leftovers have gone sour by the time they get them. Yes, that's a great way to say it, for sure. And, yeah. 
And I mean, and for me, I think that this is a topic for every day, because like I said, there are times when we have overwhelm just in other times of our lives that, you know, and, and for some weird reason, no is such a hard word. What makes that word so hard? Well, cause I think we don't know what we're a yes to. So a good practice for a family or even a couple around this time of year or any time of year is to, is to acknowledge or make a list, actually define what your values are. So if you knew, you know, what we value is being really connected to each other, what we value is uh, being responsible in our spending, um, what we value is being really generous in the world. So if I have that, that is sort of my North Star, mm-hmm. then now when I'm offered with the opportunity to do something that's going to make me spend more money than I have or spend more time than I have, or it's going to really take me away from my, my family. Uh, now I'm realizing that if I'm a yes to that, then I'm a no to my values, but I don't think we spend a lot of time defining what those are. So, so we're just handing out all these yeses mm-hmm. going somewhere in our gut. And, and that could be a yes to like spending too much money. It doesn't mean we're a yes to commitments. It could be a yes to, spending way too much time decorating my house for the holidays or way too much time cleaning it. Uh, If I'm a yes to all those things, if I've got all these yeses out there, then like we talked about, I'm a no to what's really important, but only as far as I've actually identified that. Our gut is a good guide, but I think we can busy ourselves so much that we don't even tune in to why we don't feel good, why we feel out of alignment. Um, but I think that starts with the practice of identifying, well, what is important to you? What are your values? And I think that's a really important and critical, and like you said, undervalued thing, because I think we all kind of function or think we function on values, but then that really is, you know, we, we all do have that internal mechanism that kind of goes, yeah, something's off here. Um, this is Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having a really timely conversation with writer and podcaster Christian Manieri about how to stay connected with your partner when life starts moving fast. And if the holidays or any other time of the year leave you feeling spent and disconnected, I invite you to stop right now and take a breath. And if you want to take back your life and your marriage, I encourage you to contact me today and schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after marriage strategy session. You can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. And, you know, I I guess maybe I've, you know, always always said no to housework. I just tell people I have a really bad maid. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not something, I mean, I love having a clean house. It just does not give me any joy to clean it. So mm. um, getting back to your article, You mentioned something called white space as where your life actually dwells and where the best parts of your marriage live. So what do you mean by white space and how do, how do we, how do I, how do I get white space in my life? Okay, good. Yeah. So white space, it's a term that really is drawn from the design world. So if you're looking at a, an ad or a cover of a book, it's, it's really the space that isn't used by anything. Often it's white, but it's, 
it has no other uh, use except for to create a space around whatever it is, the, the title of the book or whatever the ad is selling. So you'll see it get used in a lot of design um, okay. um, places. So what I'm talking about psychologically, like psychological white space is really just that. It's, it's space that's blocked into your calendar that is not for something. It is really to just arrive in and then check in in that moment and say, what do I want? What do I need in this hour, two hours, whatever? And it, 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 what you might need is running around the house and doing a pickup and putting things away and getting that cupboard reorganized or whatever. There's nothing. doesn't mean you have to just sit there and meditate for two hours. But it also might mean I need a big glass of water or I need to just go for a walk or I need to call my sister back or I need to snuggle my husband or I need to read to my kids or it's really just, um, it's a blank ticket to anywhere you want to go, whatever would serve you in that moment. Well, and that's really interesting because as you're talking about that, I'm having two thoughts. One is, oh, great, something else I have to schedule on my calendar <laughs> and the other thing is, doesn't that just mean I'm wasting time? Mm, yeah. Yeah, we do that. We think if I'm not doing something, then I'm not being productive or efficient. And I'm the queen of productivity and efficiency. So if I feel that temptation is to, well, why would I do that? I have all these things that I need to do. Why wouldn't I schedule those there? But there's just an interesting spirit to white space. You really do arrive and, and even just, even just the moment of arriving in white space and stopping long enough to ask yourself the question, what do I need right now? Even if that's all you do, and then you spend the next, whatever, how long you had set aside running errands or getting stuff done the fact that you pause to ask yourself, what do I need? And maybe, just maybe, you gave yourself whatever that answer was. I need a nap. I need a, I need a, <laughs> I need to, whatever, check my Facebook page. I don't know. I think that to me is the start of a really important tuning in, turning in towards yourself that we could all be served from. Well, and I think that's a really interesting point because I think a lot of people would say, well, that's what I do when I, you know, um, check my Facebook page or, or, you know, send out a, a tweet or whatever. But I think the difference is that I think most people do that more as a default as opposed to an intentional, mm, yeah. as you're saying, what do I need? And yeah. You know, and it's really interesting because, and this whole concept of connection and the idea that human beings are designed for connection and as wonderful as Facebook is in some ways of sort of connecting us, it doesn't really connect us. And um, my, my, my son is in his early, well, I guess now mid-20s. And you know, he was telling me about how you know the millennials now are going back to, to playing board games with each other, which I thought was so cool because they're connecting um, and, and it's intentional. And, you know, I think, and, and they were raised, I mean, you know, they're, they're technology natives. And, and I, I think it's a really interesting, maybe 
a form of this white space of spending time really trying to be with other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, it, it could be an, any number of things. And I, and I don't even begin to place a judgment on what you, what ends up bubbling to the surface for white space, but you really hit the nail on the head. Like there's nothing wrong with binge watching something on you, you know, Netflix with intention. Yes. When I decide, you know what, uh, what I really need right now is to sit on my butt and catch up on whatever I watch, or I'm just going to spend a half an hour on Facebook because it would feel really good to just step outside of my world and just see what's going on in everyone else's world. So, but you, you really said it there with the word default. We, we just tend to distract ourselves with by default. We just like, Oh, now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do that. But to pause and say, Hmm, what do I need right now? Whatever the answer is, is great. Like, no judgment there. I need to eat a whole box of cookies. Okay, go for it. Like, if that really is going to float your boat, then great. Mm-hmm. But I doubt that. You know, I think we our, our center comes from the care that we take in ourselves. I would doubt that most people would say, I need to binge watch TV or I need to eat cookies or I need a Big Mac. While all those things are great, I think we know what really nourishes us. And it's usually not those things. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's a really critical point. And I, and I, I love this idea of white space and intention because that's, yeah. that's really where I think all of life's contentment and happiness really is. It's, it's, it's around this idea of intention. And so this is kind of going into this last point about you, you make an important point about how staying connected with your husband is an inside job. So is that, I'm kind of getting the feeling that this is part of that same kind of concept. Am I kind of close? Yeah, like I I say in the article that if if you'd asked me a year ago, how do you stay connected over the holidays? I would have... I would have added things like you should have more date nights. You should go sit on the couch once a week and have a cup of tea. You should go for walks together. You should send each other nice notes or whatever. Which by the way are all great ideas. They're all great. (laughs) Uh, But what I realized is that what I, how my marriage is really served through the holidays or any time is by my steadiness, by my ease and whatever I can do to show up with my husband with warmth and receptivity and like just a sense of really honoring like his partnership with me and, and our, and our love together. That is what moves the needle on the temperature of our life together. It's not the things I add. I mean, it's fun too. We we could start playing board games together or we could whatever, but I more than all of those things, is the the being that I bring to this human (laughs) is this way that I show up that just has us be better connected. And there's no doing there. There's just being and being is an inside job. Well, and, and that's a really interesting position because a lot of times people, you know, if, if, if their relationship is off track a little bit, they're looking at what the other person is or is not doing and focusing on that. And you're talking about this idea of how do I bring 
me, my, my best me mm-hmm. to this other person. And that's really how we got together in the first place. Yeah. And because, you know, when we fall in love with somebody, we, we want to be our best. We want them to think, you know, to, to love us back. And so we bring our best. And, and I think that that's one of the challenges of being married or in a relationship for a long time is that I'm, I don't want to put it as we get lazy because that to me implies some kind of intent, but we, we lose focus and we don't always bring our best selves to our partner. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when we're depleted and we're overwhelmed and overcommitted and maybe our immune system is, is suffering and we're not eating the right things. Maybe we're hungry or we've had too much sugar or too much alcohol or whatever. Like the holidays is holidays do not set us up for success. Our like traditions and our rituals as a culture, we're, we're really not served by them. Really. We eat too much. We drink too much. We spend too much, you know, all of those things. Sleep enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so knowing that, knowing that we're going to do all those things and I could possibly get hangry or tired or irritable it's like, okay, so how do I keep myself centered? How do I be a steadier me so that even with the onslaught of all this thing, all these things come at me, I'm not going to lose my center. Like who am I really committed to being in the world? Yeah. And I think that goes back to this idea of, of both values and priorities, because if we know what our values are, if we know what matters to us. And then, then it's an intentional yes or no. It's sort of like, yeah, this will be really nice. But if I, but, but then it's following the, the logical consequences from that, that if I go to, you know, four parties and five nights, then how do I, you know, what's that going to mean? Um, and, and if I don't go to this party, what does that mean if I'm doing something else instead. Mm. You know, if I'm, if I'm staying at home, um, spending time with my partner and my, and my children versus going to this event. Yeah. I think we all suffer from a little bit of FOMO. You know, we don't, we've got this fear of missing out. And I think when we tune into ourselves, we, we also can have a fear of missing out I'm just sitting at home on the couch. You know, it's it's like, that really feels good too. And Hey, if that doesn't feel good and if it does work and align to go out four nights a week, then go for it. You know, some people are really, really energized and nourished by being very social with other people and, and some people just aren't. And so I think it's such a, it's not a cookie cutter approach. I think the, the key, the key is just showing up in your life with the question. This is for me. I, this is, I take this advice for myself with the question, what would serve me? What would serve my family? What do I need in this moment? Rather than just unconsciously and kind of on autopilot saying yes to everything and doing what I think should be done and how it should be done. And I think slowing down and being like, whoa, is this working for me? What, what, what would work for me? Asking those questions are, is really key to starting to steer our ship in the direction that we actually want to be going. Well, and, and I do think that that is a very 
key thing. And if, and if we were to give ourselves a gift and those who care about us a gift, I think that may be the gift is how do we become much more tuned in and intentional. And I agree with you that whatever it is we decide to do, no judgment, it's like, okay, but it's be aware of what you're doing, why you're doing it, and go from there. And and you're right, that does become an inside job. It, it's not about, you know, so if we have this fear of missing out, what does that mean? Because, because it might mean we're actually missing out on something else that might be more important to us Mm. based on our values I love that concept of of what what gifts am I giving really you know when I show up a certain way and I'm calm and I'm warm and I'm really tuned into my people you know whoever those are in my case it's my kids and my husband like what a gift that I'm giving to them in those moments I even think of white space as a gift you know I've got white space scheduled out in you know, two or three little blocks between now and the, and the end of the holidays. And when I show up, it feels like a, like a found treasure. Like, oh my gosh, there's nothing planned for this hour, two hours. Like, it feels like I've won the lottery a little bit. I love that. I so love that. Well, Kristen, where can people learn more about this concept of white space and self-care and as and other things that you talk about as it relates not just to my own personal health, which I think is, I mean, you know, there's there's the um, old adage of, you know, you can't fill up somebody else's tank if you're running on empty. Um, and I think that's a really important thing. But it's not just about us. It's about what, it's about how it impacts those that we care about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really... Uh... I really enjoyed being able to write this article. It can be found on the Gottman Institute blog. Um, Gottman has written a ton of wonderful books about marriage and he has a blog that he allows people to contribute to. And it was really an opportunity for me to flesh out these ideas for myself in writing it. So I really encourage people to head over to that blog and they've got a ton of great articles. Um, I have my own podcast, as you mentioned, it's called The Synced Life, S-Y-N-C-E-D. So I'd like to get into sync with people. And I, I all of my um, guests, we, talk, we have conversations like this. We're just talking about how, we, how can we be better connected to each other? How can we, how can we create more togetherness and a, a sense of belonging in our circles, in our world? Uh, and then as far as date night, that's kind of my, my baby. I've created websites all over the country that help people in various cities find fun things to do for date night in their city. Um, I live in Orlando. Orlando Date Night Guide started 11 years ago. And then I also have a national site, and there's some sites in various places around the country. So you can find me there as well. Terrific. And, you know, many marriages that could not only survive but actually thrive hit the skids during the holidays. All of that extra pressure and emotions combine into the straw that breaks the back of the relationship. The phones start ringing for marriage professionals and divorce attorneys alike come the first of the year. But it doesn't have to be that way. Creating white space and taking charge of staying connected to your partner is possible. And as I said before, isn't that the best possible present? So I hope that you'll keep listening. And until next week, stay loving. Oh.